0: Welcome to Live the Dream. That name in itself tells you what the program is all about. It's about knowing not only about what you don't want, but finding out how to define and live the life that you do want. Now, here's your host, Karen Dillon, and co-hosts, Marissa Marseille and Tom Pearson.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Karen Dillon, host of the show, Live the Dream. Today, the show is going to be focused on one word. And the word that we're going to focus on today is reality. Now, this is a very interesting word, and it's a word that, you know, brings up all sorts of things for all sorts of people. And so the first thing we're going to do, at least to get on the same page, is to simply define the word. So if I asked you a question, what is the meaning of the word reality? What would you say? you know now like i said it's a simple word and people sometimes get into all sorts of discussions on philosophy and your reality and my reality and that's not the point of it all because simply it's it's about simply answering the word or the uh, coming up with a definition of the word as simple as possible like what is reality the truth is reality is just what is right what actually exists not what I think it uh, not you know not what I think it exists not what you say it is, it's simply what is, okay, and this sometimes is confusing for people you know even though it's a simple word, and the definition is also very simple you know the reality is right now I'm sitting on a chair that's reality right right now there's a certain it's time I look at my clock there's a specific time that's reality. And so when I ask a person about what is their reality, you know, sometimes you get blank looks. So it's important to define what reality is for us when we're trying to achieve something in life because this really is the starting point. So it's a pretty interesting exercise. So if you're listening, I would highly suggest you grab like a pencil and a piece of paper. You know, It's not going to be extensive, but it'll be pretty interesting for you to write down a few of the things that I'm going to be talking about it's going to be quite insightful for you. So if you have a chance, go grab it. You know, obviously don't do it if you're driving. Um, but you've got a, a pencil and a paper handy, grab it, and then we're going to actually go into a few things. right? Because if you're trying to define reality, like we said, it is just what is. But what exactly are we talking about? right? Um, since this is a show about living the dream, right? living your life exactly like the way you want it. So it's important to understand then what is – your reality in a few areas. The most important or the most obvious one is if I asked you this question, what is your reality around money? Okay, what is your reality around money? How do you answer that? Well, some, sometimes people don't know how to answer it. But the simple truth is, it's simply how much money you have. That's it, right? How would you figure that out? It's pretty simple. Look in your wallet, look in your bank account, look at all the bank accounts, your stocks, right? What's your, so put it all together. How much money do you have? Just, you know, uh, assets minus liabilities, whatever you want to do. And once you come up with a number, I don't know, let's say it's 10,000 or 10 million or whatever it is, the, it's uh, it's that simple. <clears throat> your reality around money is that number. That's the reality you have today. Okay, If it could be good. It could be bad. Some people can say, well, I have money, but it's less than I need. Or, or, you know, I have less money than I need. Some people will say, well, I have way too much money. There's not many people like that, but there are some people. I have more money than I can spend. Or most people say, well, yeah, you know, I sort of live paycheck to paycheck, which means essentially I just have enough money to meet my expenses. Okay. That's their reality. Or that's reality for them. Now, So that was the question around money. So answer this for yourself. Like, how much money do you have? Okay. Now, if you know that answer, just write it down. Now, what about wealth? Wealth is very different from money. You know, money is um, essentially the cash you can spend. Wealth comes from assets. You know, things that produce money without you actually having to work for it or without you having to put your labor in. So do you have any assets that generate cash flow, that generate money, right? Or that actually have some positive net worth that represents wealth, right? So if you have, then just simply write down, hey, what is your reality on wealth? And if you don't have any assets, then say, well, I don't have any wealth, right? I have money, but I don't have wealth. Then what is your reality around business? If you're still an employee, then you don't have a reality on business because you work for someone else. If you do have a business, then you're like, yeah, I have a business and it's highly profitable. Or I have a business and it makes money but sucks up all my time. Or I have a business and it's not even making me any money. Okay? It doesn't matter which it is. just what is your reality on business? So real quickly, so we just went through three things. Your re- reality on money, wealth, and business. That represents... A significant part of the reality that you're living in now let's define something on the more personal side what is your reality around relationships that's another area that affects a lot of people I mean do you have a great relationship with your spouse or children or significant other or whatever your situation is or is it terrible right or it's like kind of like me right so just write down what it is. Relationship, you know, just uh, write down the most significant relationship you have. That represents your reality around relationships. Or at least that particular relationship. Then, your goals. Are you meeting your goals? Are you behind on your goals? Or when I said goals, uh, the little voice popped up and said, what goals? Right? Have you not even set any goals? Whatever it is, write that down. That's your reality around goals. And then finally, kind of putting all this together, what is your reality around your lifestyle? Are you living the type of life that you want? Or are you, have you even exceeded your expectations? Or are you living a life where you're always like waiting? Well, one day I'm going to have a better life than this, right? So what is the reality around your lifestyle? The point of doing all of this, by the way, is to give, you, give yourself a, you know, like they call a reality check. What is my reality right now? Because the truth about this word and the purpose of talking about this word is this. That reality doesn't just happen to us. It doesn't just pop out of the sky or fall from the sky onto us. Reality is created. Okay? Reality is created. But it is created by something very specific. Okay? Reality is created. It is created by agreement. Okay? So what does that mean? Reality is created, it is created by agreement. You know, I'll give you an example to help you understand this. So, let's say there's two people sitting in a bar, let's say they're two business owners, and they're talking about, oh man, it's so hard out there, nobody wants to like buy anything, and people are so cheap, they don't want to spend money on and on. And both of them agree about this, right? What are the chances they have a thriving business between themselves or even going forward in the future? Chances are pretty low because that's kind of what they agree on. You know, business kind of sucks. And then there's two other people who are talking about like, hey, this is great. The economy is doing fantastic. Things are great. You know, we can go out there and sell. Lots of clients want what we have. So, as, as for this example, what are the chances going forward these two are going to have a better, more thriving business compared to the first two? You know, obviously, the, you know, the answer is, yeah, it's probably a pretty good uh, likelihood that that's going to uh, be the case. Why? Because simply that these guys have different agreements, right? These two agree, things can be great. And those two agree, things are actually going to be horrible. And we tend to make our agreements come true. Because the truth is, who is the person that we have the most agreements with? Obviously, if you think for even a second, the person is who? You, right? We have the most agreements with ourselves. That's how we live our lives. That's how we create our reality. But... When was the last time you asked yourself, "What are my agreements?" Right? When was the last time you even thought about the fact that you have agreements with yourself? So, if we're going to go into this a little bit, what, what am I talking about? What are these? What are these agreements I'm talking about? What do these? What does this sound like, or what does this look like, or what is its, uh, What? What do these agreements sound like? You know, here are some agreements for you. Have you ever uh, heard somebody say? Money is hard to make, you know, or making, uh, you know, to make money, you have to work hard. Guess what? That's an agreement. Okay. That's an agreement that they have with who? Themselves. Now, where did they get this agreement from? Were they born with this agreement? Obviously not. I mean, kids don't really have any kind of these agreements, right? Um, but somewhere along the way, they heard somebody say it. But most importantly, not only did they hear someone say it, when they heard somebody say it, they agreed with it. So now all of a sudden it whose agreement? Their agreement. And guess what? You don't like to disagree with yourself and you don't like to make yourself wrong. So therefore, when you're going to go out there and make money, what are you going to do? You're going to make it hard. Okay. So if you're having a hard time right now making money, ask yourself, what is my agreement around money? Okay. What are some other agreements that you've actually uh, seen people make? A lot of people are—they complain a lot. Oh my God, my life is so hard. Or oh, you know, nothing good ever happens to me. I'm always unlucky. Blah, blah 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 blah. Okay. So, have you been around people like this? You know, they're all co- they're constantly like focusing on the negative things in life. So, what kind of agreements have they made about, with themselves about life? You know, essentially, some, if somebody says, you know, nothing good ever happens to me. That is a what? An agreement. Okay, an agreement they have with who again? Themselves. And if that's the case, what are these people attracting in life? Everything bad. Because if there's anything good gonna happen, they're probably gonna just walk the other way. Why? Because if they don't, they're actually going to make themselves wrong and people don't like it. Okay? Um, You know, and people have all sorts of agreements like this. Because you have to, all you have to do is listen to their words because there's a uh, there's an interesting phrase that I heard a long time ago which is words locate people if you want to understand how a person thinks obviously simply just listen to them talk and by them talking they will tell you exactly what their agreements are and their agreements are creating their what reality does that make sense so ask yourself this question then if you know if you have a second just say just write down 1 2 and 3 what are some of my agreements that I am that I walk around with that could be creating my reality, right? Think about it, you know, so, some things around, you know, some important things in life around things such as money, things such as wealth, things such as relationships, or things such as achieving goals, right? Or even setting goals. Some people are afraid to even set goals because it makes them feel bad or it gives them anxiety about how they're going to feel if they don't hit the goal, okay? So, you know, so w- w- for example, goals, obviously, let's talk about this person. What are your agreements around setting goals? Do you think it's a great idea to set goals or do you think it's just a waste of time because, you know, who, achieve, who achieves goals anyways? I've, so I've, had, I've had somebody say that exact phrase to me. And what's the point of setting goals? Who achieves goals, right? It just causes stress. Well, that's their agreement. Okay, there are other people who set goals all the time because they enjoy the process of going after them. Nobody achieves all their, all their goals. But just going after a goal makes you better off than actually not having set a goal. Make sense? Yeah. So ask yourself this question. What are my agreements that I'm walking around with? Now, if you want to actually take a look at your agreements, if you come up with an agreement, like what do you do with it? So let's say you have an agreement and it's it's uh, something around, well, let's say just money. Money's hard to make, right? Or <laughs> there's a good one. Money is the root of all evil. Have you heard that one before? Okay, is that true? I mean, money is just an object, you know. It's, it's not good, bad. It's just a thing. Um, the truth is that the love of money, obviously, is the root of a lot of evil. If you're obsessed over money over everything else, yeah, then you're going to be acting like a complete selfish idiot, and basically alienating people in your life because you're just acting greedy. Okay, the love of money above all—that makes you, uh, you know, uh, basically an evil person. But pursuing money. And success doesn't, you know, it doesn't make you good or bad. There's lots and lots and lots of uh, rich people who are actually very nice people, you know, the majority of them, I would say. But, you know, let's say you have this thing, the, the money the root of all evil. How effective are you going to be if you actually then go out and pursue my making money? Not very. Why? Because you don't want to be an evil person. Okay, so the, uh, the point I'm making is, so let's say you do have this agreement that you know, money is the root of all evil or money is hard to make, whatever it is. What should you do? First of all, is this a good agreement to walk around with that money is hard to make? Obviously not because it's making your life miserable, but you know, if you really want to make money. So what should you do with it? How about taking a look at what agreement could you replace it with? Because we've talked about reality is created by agreements. Right? Reality is created. We created ourselves. So reality is created. It's created by agreements. So if we have an agreement that we don't like, or agreement that's sort of getting in our way and making our life miserable, what should we do with it? Replace it. Replace it with an agreement that might be helpful. Okay, so what could you replace an agreement that says money is hard to make? How about replacing it with an agreement that money is easy to make? You know, it's not that hard to make money. Why? But lots of people have money. They make money. They don't work all that much. Okay? I mean, if you think about it, who works harder? Somebody who um, who makes, you know, let's say you know lots of money or somebody who has to work a fifteen-hour, $10 an hour job at a McDonald's? You know, obviously they have to work a lot harder to make the same amount of money that the other guys make in, in a short period of time. So for one person, money is extremely hard to make. For the other person, yeah, you have to work for money, but it's not that hard to make. And they are living their reality in the same space. Okay? Why? Because they have different agreements. So the point I'm trying to make is start to become conscious. Start to become conscious of the agreements that you are carrying around with yourself all day long that are actually making your reality not what you want it to be. Then, you know, just identify them. Write them on a piece of paper. Your money is the root of all evil. If you believe that. Or money is hard to make. Or, you know, I can never be super successful, or I can never be successful, or I can never achieve goals. Whatever it is that you're walking around with, write that. Then, write in its place, write down the agreement you would rather have. So, you know, just write up money is easy to make. Now, when you write this down, your brain's gonna fight you. You'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, money's hard. It's not true. But if you think that's a valid agreement, then write it down, and don't listen to what your brain's going to come up with, because there's a lot of resistance when you try to change, right? Or money is the root of all evil. Say so, you know, money doesn't make anybody money's money makes life better, which is the truth, right? If you have more money, your life's probably better than somebody who has almost no money, okay? Or money makes life better, or I can achieve goals, or I can set goals and I can achieve them, right? So write these down and maybe write them down on index cards. Because the point is, you've been walking around with these old agreements for a long time. In order for you to start to uh, um, absorb new agreements, you're going to have to be exposed to them over and over and over again. So write down your agreements on index cards and remind yourself of them every day. Put them in places you, where you're going to see them pretty often. Okay. So if you, you, know, you want to put down, a, hey, I can set and achieve goals. Just look at that over and over again every day. Put it by your computer or your dashboard of your car or the mirror in the bathroom. Because if you do, what might start to happen? You might start to question your old agreement. You might start to wonder, like, could this be true, right? Could I set and achieve goals? Maybe. Let's give it a shot. Now you're starting to change your agreement, and when you start to do that, what starts to change? It's your reality. And that's really what happens because the truth is reality is created. It is created by agreement. All right, so it's time for a break. But after the break, uh, Marisa Marce is going to be coming on. She's my co-host, and she's also a master business coach. And she's been training clients on recognizing their agreements for several years. And she's going to give you some real-life examples of how people have recognized what agreements that they've been uh, working with you know, sometimes for decades. And how it's been creating so many problems in their lives, and what they've actually done to change it. And once they changed, how the results in their life changed. You know, how the reality actually became quite different. So, she's gonna give you some actual examples of how people have done this and how it's affected their success. So, you don't wanna miss that, All right? So, stay tuned. And this is Karen Dillon, host of the show, Live the Dream.
2: Sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash voiceamerica or search for us at Keyword Voice America. it will be the best hour of your week.
0: Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Live the Dream. To reach the show live today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Karen. That's K-A-R-A-N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now,
3: back to Live the Dream. Hello and welcome back to Live the Dream. This is your co-host, Marie Merce, Master Coach with The Contractors Coach. Before the break, Karin talked about reality. Specifically, he mentioned how reality is created by the agreements we make with ourselves. And we're talking about the agreements that hinder us on our way to living our dream. Because we don't like to prove ourselves wrong. We accept these agreements as truth, we stop questioning them, and then we end up self-sabotaging our way to success. In this segment, I'm going to share three examples of the types of agreements that hold people back. These are agreements that actual clients had when they first came to work with me. I'm going to share the agreement, uh, what it actually was word by word, what reality it created for those clients, and where those agreements came from. And then I'm going to share what they changed those agreements to and the new reality that they created for themselves. So I'm going to make up names to protect my client's privacy. So let's call this first client Peter. When I started working with Peter, we discovered an agreement that is actually not uh, too uncommon among business owners. His agreement was this, asking for help is a sign of weakness. Okay, so asking for help is a sign of weakness. Now, his agreement expanded not just to getting help as far as getting things done go, but also getting help uh, when it comes to learning things. So basically he thought that he should know everything he needed to know to run his business already. Now what sort of reality did this agreement create? Well, Peter had a business that depended solely on him and his success was limited to the extent of his current knowledge. He had no help in the office since he believed he should be able to do all the um, administrative tasks himself and he had no project management help in the field, also because he believed that he should not be able, or actually that he should be able to manage all the projects and people himself. Now, he did have help in the field. That was easy for him to see since he couldn't do all of the physical work himself, right? We're actually talking about help in the area of managing the business. Now, did Peter have a background or education in business management? No. No. However, somehow he got in, in, in his idea, he made the agreement that he was supposed to know how to do it already. Now, his first step into changing his results was actually to start coaching, right? So you got to give him credit for starting there. However, his agreement that asking for help is a sign of weakness was so strong that he didn't hire uh, other people to help him or even ask advice from other professionals or other business owners like himself. So instead, he was overworked and mostly he was stressed because deep down he knew that he didn't know it all. So he actually lived in this constant uh, state of anxiety and he constantly doubted, right? Because he wasn't sure if he was making the right decision or performing tasks the right way. Now, where do you think that this kind of agreement comes from? Right? Uh, it came from experience, right? So Peter's only direct experience with business owners was with the bosses that he'd had before he went and started his own business. And they all had a similar attitude, right? They would never ask their employees for opinions or suggestions, and they definitely wouldn't ask those outside the business for any help. So Peter thought that if he asked questions, the questions that he really wanted to ask, he would lose face. His employees would lose respect for him, and they would stop listening, and his peers would think that they really didn't know, that he didn't really know what he was doing. He even went as far as thinking that maybe he would stop getting referrals for new projects. So within 10 seconds in his mind, his little voice told him that the business would be over. So how can Peter get different results since he wanted to actually grow his business, and he knew that he was at his limit for knowing how to do it? What does this non-serving agreement um, have to, uh, or this agreement around getting help need to change to, right? Working together, Peter came up with this new agreement. It sounded like this. I get help and rely on others to get the knowledge I need. I'll say it again. I get help and rely on others to get the knowledge I need. Now, just because you come up with a new agreement, it doesn't mean that you immediately change how you think. There is a process of repetition, and there's actually techniques you can use to manage the little voice that goes with it until you internalize your new agreement. So let's start by talking a little bit about the process of repetition. So here's what we do with our clients. We have them work on three agreements at a time. Now, we all have a ton of agreements, but you want to really stay focused. You can't really uh, put the focus needed if you do more than three. So that's a good number to start with. So once you gain clarity of what your current agreements are, the ones that are holding you back, the next thing that you do is you work on changing or rephrasing them into the new agreements. My advice is be very picky about the words. Your new agreements need to resonate deeply with you. They need to inspire you, right? They need to let you think something like this. Wow, life would be so different if I thought this instead. If you don't think that, you're probably not either deep down into what the real agreement is or the words are really not quite there to inspire you yet. So keep working on that. Once you have the right words, write your three new agreements on something like an index card and write them separately. So one agreement per card. And you want to have two different sets. When you have the two different sets, you're going to place them in two different areas, right? Areas where you see them easily every day. For example, maybe the bathroom mirror. That's somewhere, you know, some place where we always are there in the morning and in the evening. Uh, also, sometimes if you're driving a lot, maybe in, uh, in the car and when you stop and are park, you can actually see them. Now, when you see them, you want to read them out loud and at least twice a day. Okay, so that's the process of repetition around agreements. Now, the techniques to manage your little voice is something that we're going to cover on our next session. So just giving you, um, I guess, a little bit of a preview here. Okay, so back to Peter. So how can reality change when you change your agreements? Well, he went on to grow his business by 400% in two years while decreasing his workload. So how did he do that? He got help in the office by means of a great office manager and is currently getting a second assistant, by the way. And he trained two of his crew members to be project leads and manage projects on their own. He also started networking and meeting other business owners with a new curiosity. And now with the ability to ask for the advice he really needed and the advice that he was not able to see himself asking for before. He now has several professionals he relies on for both his personal and business success, okay? Now, here's another example. We'll call this client Simon, okay? Now, one of his agreements with this, I don't have what it takes to be successful in business. Okay, let me repeat that. I don't have what it takes to be successful in business. And he had two agreements that kind of followed with that right away. One was, I'm not organized, And the other one, I can't focus. So, again, let's look at the reality of what these agreements created for Simon. He would wake up extremely early every morning before the sun was up, and he would leave the house in a rush, right? But with a zero plan for the day. He did not work off any kind of calendar. Remember, he's not organized. Now, he would go off memory about which clients he needed to visit that day, And because he had no plan, he actually would not think of an efficient uh, route to get to all of these clients and would end up driving uh, all day long and in traffic for most of the day. Again, because he had no plan and no organization, he also would have to make multiple stops to purchase materials along the way. Now, he did have a couple of employees, but they were unreliable. They wouldn't show up to work give him no notice, and when they were working, they would actually do subpar work, and Simon would have to shuffle his already chaotic schedule to put out those fires. So at the end of the day, he would be exhausted, he'd be behind, and he would tell himself that there's no way he could focus on the estimates or the invoices that he had to do, so cash flow suffered greatly. So basically, lots and lots of chaos and very little to show for. So where does an agreement like this come from? Simon has ADD. Now, so because of this, he has heard from family members and teachers his whole life that he can't focus on anything. And since being successful requires focus, so he must then not be capable of success. Those are the thoughts that he had, the dots that he connected. So he picked a trade because he thought that he would be fine if he simply followed someone else's rules. Now, to his credit, he did this for a while, but his desire for more and his high quality standards drove him to actually start his own business. But even though he made that decision, he still struggled daily and doubted whether he could make it. Now, which new agreements does someone like Simon need to have to move forward? Now, the new agreements can be simple. For him, they were I am focused, I am organized, and I am successful. Okay, and I'll repeat those again. I am focused, I am organized, and I am successful. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's it, that now everything changes for him. However, it was the start because it actually made him break that habit of thought. It made him question his old agreements, and it allowed him to see himself in a new light. So with his new agreements, Simon has created a new reality. He is now, uh, he's been capable of actually doubling his business. He now has a great crew. And what I mean by great is they're not just reliable, but they're actually so well-trained that they are certified technicians. He follows a daily calendar that his office assistant manages for him. He actually starts the day uh, differing very differently now. He starts the day by planning before he even leaves the house. He has tripled his take-home pay, which actually has allowed him to move from living in a trailer to moving in a home, to living in a home. Now, these two agreements speak to the kind of agreements that can be called uh, broad. Uh, what I mean by that is agreements that affect many aspects of someone's life. So I want to change gears a little bit and talk about an agreement that is very, very specific and that it um, applies to just one action, but one action that can have a great effect uh, in a business. Okay, so I worked with a client whose reality, um, basically the reality when it came to his business was this. He had a $3 million business, but was losing money. And this had been happening year after year. The way that he was staying afloat was actually uh, putting his personal money into the business, which obviously it's not a a good solution. And when I looked at his numbers, we saw right away that his cost of goods sold was extraordinarily high. It cost him about 95% of his revenue to deliver the work. And the cost that was way out of hand out of that was actually his labor or his internal labor. So we looked at that immediately and saw that his main problem was overtime. Overtime had actually become an expected part of his business. He actually scheduled it. Every crew member was scheduled to work two hours of overtime every weekday, uh, a full day on Saturdays, and a full day every other Sunday. Right. So overtime wasn't actually driven by the work itself, you know, whether they were behind or had to meet a, a deadline. It was just actually scheduled. Right. And it was driven by his agreement. Now, the agreement that he had made with himself was that if he didn't have overtime, every single crew member would quit immediately. Okay. Now, where did this come from? What, why did he think that? Right. So, Even though he was paying his field employees competitive hourly rates, he had convinced himself that he wasn't and that he had to compensate that with overtime. Okay, so imagine the different reality that he experienced when he stopped all of that overtime and the surprise he had when not a single employee quit. So those are my examples for today. Something I want you to note is that agreements don't have to be true or make a lot of sense uh, to hinder us. The last agreement of, if I stop over time, every single crew member would quit, I think if we all hear that, uh, the, the least we would say is, well, what an exaggeration, right? And so, in fact, most of the agreements that hold us back sound silly or even ridiculous when we say them out loud. We have to remember that agreements live in our subconscious brain, and that part of our brain has actually no intelligence, What that means is that it doesn't really filter what we put in it. It doesn't filter what is true or false or what is wrong or right. That's actually why we have to stop and question the agreements that we're letting lead our actions. So I hope today's examples help you understand agreements better and uh, even more so the process to change them so you can start working on yours. So ask yourself, right, what are your current agreements? What are the ones that get in your way? And what are the new ones that you can replace those with in order to live your dream? So it's time for a break. After it, my colleague, Tom Pearson, will share more examples of agreements from his own experience with clients. So we'll see you after the break.
2: And get amplified.
0: This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to Live the Dream. To reach the show live today, please call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's one 472 5795 Or send an email to Karan. That's K-A-R-A-N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now, back to live the dream.
4: I'm Tom Pearson, one of the master business coaches at The Contractors Coach. And I, too, am going to share some real client stories around agreements that my clients have had to change in order to achieve more success in their business. The first story that i like to share with you is a client who's an HVAC uh, contractor. And when I started working with this client, uh, his revenues were pretty stagnant. Uh, they hadn't really grown a lot in the last you know, two to three years, while the economy certainly had been getting better. So he was, you know, feeling like, hey, what's up with my company here? And I should be growing, the economy's better, and I'm not really reaping the, the fruits of that. I should get more while it's good, right? Because uh, things are going to, you know, may come back the other way. And I certainly want to uh, have taken advantage of of the ride up more than I'm doing now. And I said, okay, well, that's a good start. We can work on building your business and increasing your revenue. So let's start with, uh, you know, uh, how are you going to do that? And I said, you know, he said, well, I, you know, there's two ways to do it. I said, you know, you could either go out there and certainly sell more, right? We could work on your sales process and bring more business in the door new clients, new accounts. And he said, well, there's a little problem with that in that I don't have the people power to actually perform more work. We're at capacity right now. So until I hire people, I'm having a, I'd have a hard time, you know, going out there and bringing, trying to bring more business in knowing we, can't, we don't have the capacity to do it. I said, okay, I see that. That's a, okay, we can work on that. Um, but there's another way to increase revenue actually without selling more business. And he said, how's that? I said, raise your prices. Well, his face went blank and I could tell he was really struggling with the thought of raising prices. So I could see that you're having a little issue with that. Is, is that not comfortable for you to thought of raising prices? He said, no. I said, why? Because well, because um, I think we're charging what our competitors charge. And if we charge more, they're going to leave us and go to my competitors. I said, was oh, that right? Okay. Well, I mean, that may be true. I don't know. Uh, but, let me ask you, um, when was the last time you raised prices? And he said, well, it's probably been for many accounts at least three years. Some accounts, maybe five. I said, really? You haven't raised prices in three to five years. Well, okay, that's interesting. Well, he, and I said, so, um, okay. Well, and you don't think your competitors have either? He said, well, I don't know. I said, okay. So you're operating with an agreement. And what is that agreement that you have? what did you just tell me a few minutes ago? You told me that people won't pay more than you're charging. And if you raise your rates, you're going to lose your clients. Is that what you believe? He said, yes. I said, okay, well, so as costs continue to go up, you're not going to raise your rates, even though I bet your competitors have done that. He said, well, maybe they have. I said, well, don't you think you should follow suit? If your prices, if your costs are going up, don't you think you should charge more? I mean, isn't that what everybody does? He said, yes. I said, well, then why wouldn't you do that? Well, the reason was because he's operating with this agreement, this old agreement, right? And so I said, well, it sounds to me like you need to be more convinced uh, about what the current pricing is in the marketplace. So why don't you do this? Here's your assignment. Go call competitors and, you know, pretend to be somebody or, you know, a client or a prospect or something. But try, try and find out, you know, what their, what their rates are, what their hourly rates are. And he said, okay, I guess I'll do that. I said, okay, good. I'll see you next time and you'll come back and tell me what those rates are. So he comes back the next time. I said, so did you find out? And he goes, yeah, I actually did make some calls. And you talked to some people, you got some rates? Yes, I did. Well, tell me, what did you find out? What was the range? What was the low? What was the high? Well, the low was 100 and the high was 150. I said, so the low is where you're at. And he said, yeah. And I said, isn't that interesting? So do you think that's what you should get then? I mean, are you the low quality provider in your market? He said, no, no, no. I said, well, where, where do you fit? He said, I think I'm at least average or above average, actually. I said, okay. So if you were above average or av- if you were average, you'd be, you should be charging, based on what you found out, the range 100 to 150 you should be charging $125 an hour. But if you're above average, even more. And that's when he just kind of got wide-eyed and he said, wow, yeah, yeah, I probably should. Well, guess what? If you do, what is that going to mean to your revenue? If you start charging $125 an hour, let's say, instead of $100, you are going to have a 25% revenue increase without doing an ounce more of work than you're doing now. He said, yes, but, you know, uh, how do I explain that? Well, we worked through the mechanics of how to have the conversation with the clients about the pay raise because you don't want to surprise them. But he was really shocked when he had these conversations and raised his price. And you know what? Not one client left him. Not one. He was convinced when I first talked to him that many would leave and not one did. Not one even really pushed back. It was almost as if they knew he should have been raising his prices all along, but they're not going to tell him to do it, right? So this is an example of, a great example of how a huge improvement, an increase in, in revenue and, in, frankly, in profit, because his, his cost didn't go up, that extra money drops to the bottom line. He got a major boost in profit from doing one thing, and that was overcoming an agreement that he had about his pricing and moving his pricing into a much more competitive range. So that's a great example of how to make money uh, by changing your agreements. A second example I could share with you is a contractor who was working primarily in an area where geographic area that was um, uh, middle class uh, at best. Uh, And so his job sizes in terms of dollar sizes were, Usually, less than a hundred thousand dollars. Actually, most commonly, somewhere between uh, twenty thousand and fifty thousand was the average size of the of the jobs or the projects that he was doing. Uh, and what he was thinking, and what we were thinking together, is how can we increase the average size of your projects? I mean, how can we get more revenue? Okay, uh, do more work uh, and start playing a bigger game. Uh, he's been the in the landscaping business for many years so he was very experienced he had a very experienced crew uh, but again they were you know operating in their own backyard which just happened to be not one of the more affluent areas um, uh, of, of, uh, of, of where he was at uh, and there was great opportunity for him to expand and he really wanted to uh, to go into the more affluent areas because he understood that hey you know, I can make more money. If I can bring my team uh, out here to the affluent areas and get work there, uh, it would be great. People have more money to spend. The jobs are bigger. Uh, opportunity to make more money. So rationally, of course, it all sounded great. But of course, he had an agreement that was, had him hesitating in terms of moving forward. And so as I was coaching with him, and we were talking about marketing and spending money to to market his business into these more affluent neighborhoods, Um, you know, he was hesitating. He was kind of hesitating to pull the trigger on marketing and to get out there and start mixing it up and networking and doing what he had to do to become visible in these more affluent areas. So it comes back to the question, why? Why is it that you know this is the right thing to do, and yet you're not doing it? And, of course, you know, got a little bit of a blank stare from him as well. And, and uh, I said, what is the agreement that you have that you're operating with that is not allowing you to move forward and take action on the things that we've talked about. And so in the course of a conversation, what he sort of sheepishly came out with was, I don't know if I can uh, satisfy the demands of people of affluent people, people at that level. And it went even further To say, I don't know if I have what it takes to sell big jobs. You know, beat out the bigger contractors who are already established in that area. So this is what you want to do. This is what you know would be great for your business. But your agreements are preventing you from taking action because you just aren't convinced you can win there. Now, let's take a look at that. So, we got into that uh, further, and, of course, you know, he was in a situation uh, like many where, you know, how can I maximize the amount of revenue that I'm getting given the crew size that I have? And, you know, he's trying to add people, of course, like everybody is onto their crews, onto the size of their crew, but that's, you know, coming here and there one at a time. Um, and so what, it, what he could do is he certainly wanted to get out of, uh, you know, doing smaller jobs, and put his guys on bigger jobs, he could charge a higher profit margin because the people that, in the affluent areas would be willing to pay uh, those bigger dollars. Uh, they just had the money. And he knew this. So this is what he wanted, but he was struggling to make that move forward. So we knew that we had to change his agreement. And we worked on that together, and what he came up with was something to the effect of bigger jobs, are the same work we've always been doing, just more of it in one job. And so I had him repeat that over and over and make sure that he drilled it in to his head that this new agreement was a way of looking at these more at these bigger jobs and more affluent communities as just simply more of the same, just bigger, just more more of this, more of that, more of this, and more of that. Okay, wasn't really any difference. The different, uh, the difference really was in, just in his own head and the way he was looking at it. And he was a little, also a little bit, uh, you know, weary of, of going and can I sell to these people? Do I have what it takes to make the sale to these folks? And so, well, you're never going to know until you do it. Uh, you've got a new agreement and that's helping you. And it, with that new agreement and reinforcing that new agreement, he finally went out, made the investment in the marketing, and started to work on opportunities there. Started to get leads, and actually his results were pretty phenomenal. In a matter of months, and a few months that is, he was able to sell, get contracts on four jobs that were six-figure jobs. Now, in his whole history of being in business, uh, he had only had one job, That was a six figure job. He'd only sold one and it was barely over a hundred thousand. And in these few months uh, that he went into this new market with his new agreement, he was able to sell four, and the biggest of which was five hundred thousand a half a million dollar landscaping job. So everything changed. He felt, of course, with success breeds confidence, right? So success. And his ability, in as he's selling it, it further proves and reinforces that the new agreement—that in fact he can be successful selling to people—because after all, these are just simply jobs that are no different than what he's been doing, just on a bigger scale. And when he simplified it in his mind like that, he he was able to push through and move into this into these affluent areas and actually not just compete but beat some of these bigger boys, the bigger companies that have been around for a while. And he's rolling uh, as well ever since. Well, this is the last story I'll share with you. Uh, And uh, this one is with a uh, client of mine who's, um, I guess you'd call him a master craftsman. He does incredible wood restoration work. Uh, And he's been doing it for decades, more or less as a sole proprietor, just working on his own by himself. So he came to me for coaching and really with the idea that he wanted to grow his business because after all, he was already working as much as he could in terms of hours. So he was simply trading his time for money and that's put a cap or a ceiling on what he could make. And he felt like, hey, there's more to it. I want to grow a business, a real business and expand and leverage and, and sort of multiply myself uh, and make more money doing it. So that's what he came so we, the first thing we obviously needed to do is to build a team. He had already had more business than he could possibly do. So he had more demand than he could satisfy just by himself. So the question was, okay, where do we find these people? And there's somebody that can come onto your team one by one, add people on who could do the work that you do and, um, you know, and, and help you build your business. And uh, well, he said to me, Tom, that's the problem. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, there aren't any, There's nobody out there like me. I said, is that right? Nobody out there like you. He said, well, no. I mean, you know, it's a kind of a boutique industry. We all sort of know who each other is. And, you know, I have a great reputation. Everybody kind of knows who I am. And uh, I never hear them talk about anybody else, really, uh, that can do the kind, of, the, the kind of work that I can do. I said, well, okay. I suppose that's possible. But it's also possible that there is somebody out there. You just don't know who they are, right? There could be very well somebody out there in a very boutique industry who's invisible to you, but is actually out there doing some work. And maybe they don't do a lot of work. Maybe they're somebody who's expert at what they do, like you, okay? But they don't have a reputation. They don't have a good marketing presence. So they just aren't well-known, okay? As no, well-known as you are. Is that a possibility? He said, well, I guess so. I guess then it's time for us to start looking. So reluctantly, he went to the pro- through the process of creating a job ad, posting the ad and to, to go out there and fish for somebody that he could hire and help him do some work. And he didn't get he wasn't happy with the results he got. They weren't very good. So he became very discouraged and actually reinforced his belief or his agreement that there just simply is no one who can do what I do. That was his agreement. And so, with that, we decided to take a little different tact. We changed the ad up a little bit and made some different, made the ad look a little different, read a little different, just to see if it would get a different uh, response. And sure enough, it did. What he ended up getting were two people pretty instantly that were better than any of the people that had applied prior in the weeks and months prior. And he was extremely excited. He knew he could hire one right away because he had the, the workflow, the, bu- the the backlog to hire one of them right away. And he did that. Now, this person didn't actually have as much experience or expertise as my client, um, but he had certainly a desire and the will to learn, and he knew a lot already. So, the client was extremely happy. They went on jobs together. They were able to... You know, bill and and do work, far more work than my client obviously could have done on his own. And the best news really about it is it inspired him to think about a new division. And he's starting a new division now that focuses on a special type of wood restoration that this new employee is perfectly suited to do. And could actually take that business and manage that business and manage a team because, again, this, the specialization that's required isn't as great. So now he has a whole new vision of his company. He has the really fine specialized work that he can do that he's also grooming his employee to do while he also is going is going to be working and, and marketing now this new division to do this other type of work that he knows he can hire people that have a certain level of skill set that can actually build that business for him. So here was a change of agreement. There's no one out there that can do what I can do. Well, even if there isn't, there's somebody out there maybe that can do a lot of what you can do and actually help you build your business and maybe even take it into a whole different realm you haven't even seen before. And that's what's happened for him.
0: Thank you for tuning in to live the dream. Please join Karen Dillon along with Tom Pearson and Marissa Marseille for another program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have a dream living week.